To kick it off today, we've got Adam Beasley with the Miami Herald, and then we'll go to Eric Branch with the San Francisco Chronicle. Mel, your most recent mock draft, you have Devontae Smith going to the Dolphins, I believe. Has your thinking on that changed recently? And how much does free agency factor in what they might do in the top 10? Well, a lot. And a lot went into that because if you project a trade up for a quarterback, Miami would move down. So that's one of the teams that couldn't obviously go from three down to eight uh, or three down to that uh, the 12 spot. So it depends how far you drop, really. If you drop down to 12, you lose probably Waddle, Smith, and Chase, the three wide receivers. Uh, if you drop down to that uh, seven, eight mark, you, you don't, or eight spot, you don't. You could probably still get Jalen Waddle, probably lose Devontae Smith, although some people think Smith. Smith could be there. Uh, so I think the Sean Watson trade could factor in here at some point in time for somebody. Um, but if they do stay at three, uh, Devontae Smith, to me, because of the Tua connection with Smith, maybe a little bit over Chase with Chase opting out. So there's a lot of factors involved in this, but a move down certainly is, is certainly within the realm of possibility. We'll go to Eric Branch and then Larry Mayer with the ChicagoBears.com. Hi, uh, Mel. I had a question about pass rushers. There obviously doesn't seem to be a Chase Young or a Nick Bosa and maybe perhaps not a top 10 pick. What is your overall uh, assessment of the strength of the pass rush or edge rush class? And given the market conditions, you know, seem to have a lot of pretty decent pass rushers available in free agency. Might that be a better avenue this year for teams to address that area? Well, there are some. There's no question about that. But there are, uh, you know, some guys coming out that are, I think, very intriguing. Jalen Phillips, I think, is the best pure pass rusher in this draft out of Miami. I don't think. I think I, I'm pretty confident in that. In that, uh, great, you know, tremendous year. Uh, just the way he uses his hands. Uh, you know, he has he certainly has secondary moves. Um, you know, to me, he's the best. Now, there's some concerns there with the durability, but he's the best pure pass rusher. Uh, I think Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma uh, can get off the edge and, and has that uh, anticipatory ability at the snap uh, and uses it gets low gets good bend uh, quitty pay will be a freakish talent coming out of Michigan uh, I think you look at a guy like Joseph Osai from Texas uh, who can play down or up I think he's better at that as a down defensive end if he gets that weight up from 253 255 to 270 really love his production love his motor uh, love the way he plays the game I mean this is a kid that really gives you everything he has the intriguing guy and the kind of the boomer bus guy is Jason Oway from Penn State you talk about sacks he didn't have one uh, this year. And there were some games he was just neutralized completely. So he's a roll of the dice based on talent. Aziz Ojalary from Georgia had a really good year. Joe Tryon opted out, but had a good year in 2019. But uh, so there's some some guys that are, I think you can say are boomer bust, and there's some guys that uh, certainly have shown the capability, production wise and talent wise, to be potential maybe seven to ten sacks a year type guys. Some are more five to seven, but I think Phillips could be a double digit sack guy, and certainly Quiddy Pay could be, and uh, I think Joseph Osai could, and Gregory Rousseau, uh, you know, is another one of those guys you would have liked to have seen play this year, but he didn't. And he had a really good year in 2019, but a lot of those were coverage sacks, and I think he's a guy who needed another year and didn't uh, come through with it this season. So he's one of those uh, guys that somebody's going to roll the dice on around pick 20. Next up is Larry Mayer, and then we'll go to Shuler Dixon with the Associated Press. Hey, Mel, you have Kadarius Toney, Florida receiver, mocking to the Bears at number 20. What do you like about him and his fit with the Bears? And secondly, you also mentioned the Bears could look at tackle. So secondly, who are some tackles that might be available at that point? 
Yeah, I think Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech, left tackle, uh, had a great year, could be also be a right tackle. I think Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State, Walker Little from Stanford. Uh, those would be some guys, I think, along the offensive t- line, particularly a tackle, as we talked about, that could be there. I think Derisaw possibly there. Little, I think, will be there. I think Tevin Jenkins will be there. Or they could wait, and, like I say, in, in, in the second or third round, there's some pretty good depth at offensive tackle. And there's depth also at wide receiver. Tony could be gone maybe to Washington at 19 if he's there, I think it would make sense. Uh, you know, they talk about what Mooney can do. Uh, obviously, Robinson's a free agent. Uh, you need weapons. You've got to figure out the quarterback position, but you need more weapons. And Tony is a guy, he's kind of that guy, he's more of a running back after the catch. I mean, he's tremendous in space, great change of direction. Um, you know, so he's the kind of guy with the versatility and the big playability, the great game-breaking skills he had uh, would really help that Bears offense. We'll go to Shuler Dixon and then Arnie Stapleton with the Associated Press. Mel, this is, I think it's a little bit more of a late round question, but I was just curious what you thought about the unique timing of the spring FCS season and whether some of those guys might get drafted where they otherwise wouldn't just because they might be, you know, seen a little bit more with no other college football going on. You know, so that's a hard call on some of those guys. I think, you know, obviously everybody's going to be watched. Uh, I talked about Drew Himmelman, the left tackle from Illinois State, who's got a chance to be a fourth-round draft choice, and there's others. But I think guys like that that are playing, uh, depend, they're going to be watched, and they, you see how they perform, and their season will end, I think, in April. So they'll have plenty of opportunity to get ready uh, for the start of training camp and all that. So uh, it's an opportunity. And then some of the kids opted out, obviously, that knew what they were going to go into the senior bowl or just get prepared for the draft without the, the spring football so it was a decision kids had to make Trey Lance obviously only the one game for North Dakota State opted obviously he's not going to be playing in the spring and risking injury so I think business decisions uh, were the reason why some opted out but if you needed to try to improve as you say from a free agent or late rounder uh, playing would be a a good option like I say Drew Himmelman is one of the top guys playing uh, the left tackle from Illinois State. Arnie Stapleton is up and then Steve Megary with the Associated Press. Hey Mel, um, I know in free agency, GMs are, are looking toward defense because of the, you know, the modern offenses and the mobile quarterbacks. Uh, they'll look for, you know, the nickelback, uh, a defensive tackle with pass rush skills or a linebacker that can stay on the field three, three downs. How well do you think this draft class kind of meets those criteria so that teams could also look toward the uh, draft to fill those needs, not necessarily just in free agency? Yeah, it's a different kind of draft because we, we talk about a lot of names, but some of these names didn't play. And it's, complica- it's a very complicated draft. I always say mysterious draft slash complicated draft because it's a lot of things that you normally know about players that this year you do not know. Even accurate measurables, you know, running 40s on the same surface, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, medical, interviews, all the things that would have been done by now are still in the progress of getting, teams are. Um, the opt-outs, complicating matters even even more so. Injured players like Landon Dickerson, a center from Alabama, is he a one, is he a two, coming off an injury. Jalen Waddle had the ankle injury, uh, played though in the championship games. So there's a lot of those types of guys and the opt-out. So I think it's, it's a more of a draft that with less information uh, than you've ever had on some players, yet you still have to be making these picks come late April, and some of these guys are going to go high with limited information. So it'll be, I'm interested to see is how far the opt-out, some of the guys drop, do they drop maybe a round later than they normally would? would have, 
have. What happens in terms of the draft, in terms of next year, when it'll be more normal? Will teams trade this year's picks in the second, third, fourth round and try to acquire more next year? There's a lot of factors that'll be applicable to this draft that didn't apply to any other draft and probably won't apply to any draft in, in the future. So this is the one single draft in the history of this whole thing that's going to be completely different than probably any we will ever see. Thanks. We'll go to Steve Megary and the, then Evan with Inside Hook. Thank you. I was just wondering, you mentioned Drew Himmelman, but I was wondering, aside from Trey Lance, obviously, who are some of the most notable FCS prospects this year? I assume most of those guys are guys who were not playing this spring and who kind of declared after the fall season was canceled. Yeah, Christian Uphoff is another one, the safety from Illinois State, who obviously is not playing in the spring, but certainly uh, is a guy to watch there. And moving forward is a possibility. And we talked about Kyle Duggar last year and Jeremy Chin. He's not to that level, uh, but he's a third or fourth round type of guy. Northern Iowa was Spencer Brown, the left, the offensive tackle, or will be a right tackle. And then Ellerson Smith, a combo defensive end outside linebacker, are two guys that are going to have, have a chance to go pretty early. I think you could see like Ellerson Smith in the third, fourth round. You could see Spencer Brown uh, from Northern Iowa in that third, fourth round area as well. We'll go to Evan and then Ray Fittipaldo with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Um, with regard to uh, Mac Jones, how difficult is it to evaluate him considering the strength of his supporting cast with the you know talented wide receiver core, great offensive line? And then um, where do you see – how do you still see him going in the top ten and how's, where do you see him the farthest he could fall? You know, I think top 15, I think New England at 15 would be the furthest he would be able to drop. I mean, a lot of these quarterbacks these days have great talent around them. Uh, Joe Burrow had more talent than anybody. Did that affect how he played this year at Cincinnati when he looked like a, a definite franchise quarterback? So, uh, you know, to me, you, know, that you can look at different guys. When Josh Allen was his final year at Wyoming, he had lost four guys in the NFL, running back, center, wide receiver, tight end, all NFL caliber players. You can't reload at Wyoming, and that affected him. So some, yeah, if you look at every case individually, but you can't penalize a guy for just being a quarterback at Alabama or being a quarterback at LSU or at Ohio State or wherever it may be. Um, you know, it's, it's, they're going to have a talent around them. And some guys obviously have less. I mentioned, like I say, factoring in Josh Allen. That's why I looked at him more favorably because I took into consideration, even when the season began, that he would be running into some trouble. Sam Darnold had lost a lot of key guys going to his final year at USC, and that certainly impacted him. Uh, but in terms of the quarterbacks this year, Kyle Trask, having Tony and Pitts really helped him. Uh, but you know, you know, you look at, at a guy like Mac Jones. Mac Jones had an awesome array of talent around him, but to be as accurate as he was to all levels, uh, to be able to make something out of nothing like he did in that Ohio State game, the championship game, to, and it was a key play of the football game, uh, when he, he manipulated the pocket, moved around a little bit, and then sensed and felt pressure very effectively and made a, an accurate throw. So uh, to me, leadership, competitiveness, what he did at the senior bowl, all that is going to make him a top 15 pick. Is there some boom bust there? Yeah, because he only had 17 career starts. He doesn't have tremendous, uh, obviously, athletic ability and speed. He's not going to beat you with his legs like Joe Burrow did. So from a, a from a, a you, know, you want to call it a bust-a-meter, if you had to say on a scale of 1 to 10, he would probably be a 5 or a 6, where you know Trevor Lawrence would be maybe a 1 or a 2. So, uh, yeah, there's more of a bust factor with Lance and Jones, probably, than any of the, of the other quarterbacks. Maybe Zach Wilson would fall in next, because he only had one year of great productivity. Ray is up next, and then we'll go to John with the Toronto Sun. Hey, Mel, so far we've heard a lot about Najee Harris and Travis at the end as the top two backs in the draft. Who's in that next tier? Is there another feature back who could step in and start as a rookie? And why the gap after Harrison at the end? 
Yeah, I think Jelante Williams from North Carolina has been my third back all along. Um, he's an outstanding tackle breaker. Uh, he's a tremendous pure runner, great pace to his running style. Trey Sermon uh, did a great job at Ohio State after coming over from Oklahoma. Uh, I think those two would be next in line. And then you have your, your change of pace guys like Michael Carter, North Carolina, uh, Demetric Felton, UCLA. Another guy who could be a 20-25 you know, carry a, a game guy would be Jamar Jefferson from Oregon State. A good home run hitting change of pace guy would be Kenny Gainwell from Memphis. Then you have Chuba Hubbard uh, from Oklahoma State who had a higher grade when the season began than he does right now, but he could be a, an every down back. Uh, and then Javian Hawkins is a real good change of pace with his game-breaking speed coming out of Louisville. So you got some of the guys who could be the main entity. Some guys could be complementary, uh, you know, second, third type options. But of the, of the guys after Harrison at the ETN, I would factor Javante Williams, North Carolina, and Trey Sermon from Ohio State in next. Next up is John, and then we'll go to Nathan with the Akron Beacon Journal. Well, six Canadians are getting draft buzz this year. You commented on Alaric Jackson last week, hoping you can provide a quick comment and draft grade on the other five as I reel them off, starting with Tennessee receiver Josh Palmer. Love Josh. I mean, Josh Palmer didn't have a quarterback who could consistently get him the football, uh, but he made some spectacular catches. He's got the ability to compete and go get the football in traffic. Uh, Senior Bowl week, he did a really good job as well. Uh, he's got quickness uh, out of his break. He's got that burst. Uh, he's a guy, I think, in the, because of the depth at wide receiver, he normally probably would have been a second-round pick. This year, maybe a third-round pick, but he's a day-two guy who's going to kind of have a nice career in the NFL, I believe. How about Oregon slot corner Javon Holland? Holland had all those interceptions. Obviously, tackling is going to be something he needs to work on, but as a cover guy in the slot, as a safety who can cover with great range, uh, opted out this year. Was, was seen, like to have seen him play. But if you go back to 2019, his coverage skills are what people want now. You know, you got to tackle. He's got to improve in that area. But I think he's the kind of guy with the depth at safety, another, another strong, solid position. Uh, he could be a late day two, early day three pick. Minnesota quarter Benjamin St. Just. He had a nice year. He's got length. Uh, held his own more than held his own at the Senior Bowl practices. Uh, you know, he's a guy who can go inside and outside. He's got some versatility there. But I love his length and his athleticism. He could end up being a third or fourth round pick. Oklahoma State linebacker Amen Ogbong Bamiga. Did a good job with that. Yeah, another guy, very productive. I mean, he flies around the field. He made a lot of plays. Uh, he's more of a day three special teamer, backup linebacker, probably a late day three pick. And lastly, where do you see Chuba going? Chuba Hubbard. Chuba, you know, I mean, the great 2019, and uh, this year, you know, is a, with uh, all the interruptions and things like that, different kind of year, a little upright in his running style, but he's got the ability, he's got, he's got decent pace, and he picks his holes well, and he's got good vision. Um, I think he could end up being a fourth-round pick. Awesome, thanks. Thank you. We'll go to Nathan next, and then Ryan Chapman with Sports Illustrated. Hey, Matt. Can you hear us? Yeah, I got you. Thanks, Allie. Um, Mel, I wanted to ask you about uh, Northwestern corner Greg Newsom. Uh, what range you see him possibly going in and just your breakdown of him, pros and cons? 
Yeah, yeah, he's a, a solid player. When you look at him on tape, very consistent. Uh, he obviously, instinctively, is a very good player as well. He's only a three-star recruit out of IMG Academy. He's a smart kid. Uh, yeah, the one interception that was the only career interception was against Wisconsin this year. Uh, but he broke up a lot of passes. I thought he was very impressive in coverage. He stuck to the receiver. He's got good turning motion, locates the football. Uh, to me, you know, you look at what he did at Northwestern really this year and last year when he had the eight starts. Uh, he was second in the Big Ten with 11 pass breakups in 2019. So he's put together two really good years. He also had like four or five starts in 2018. So he's got a lot of experience. Uh, you know, you like to see more than one career interception, but uh, kid with his length, he's 6'1", about 190. Uh, he should be no le- I mean, maybe I-, I thought about putting him in the late first, but I, I project him right now as an early to mid-second, but uh, he's not going to get out of round two. We'll go to Ryan next and then over to Sal in Buffalo. Hey, Mel, you talked earlier about Ronnie Perkins. Uh, he played almost exclusively with his hand in the dirt the, the last two years at OU. Don't know if he has the size at the next level. What do you kind of see his best fit being uh, in the NFL? 4-3 end, and I think that's what he will be, and, and certainly a guy that really elevated that defense once he got back on the field. I mean, he was a difference maker, and, uh, you know, he was consistent. He was a guy that got the sack total. We talked about guys that didn't put up the numbers. In college, you got to put up the numbers. I mean, he can excuse a lot of things away, but production is important if you're going to be asked to do that in the NFL. This is college. You're going up against a lot of tackles that aren't going to play in the NFL. You, know, you better get production for defensive ends is very important. Uh, you know, I can say that's why Jason Oway at Penn State's kind of an enigma because you're looking at a pass rusher didn't have a sack in seven games at Penn State this year where you look at Perkins he did come through and the production was there and the consistency was there so I think he goes in round two I think at that point he's a 4-3 defensive end but I, I think he's got a chance to be a solid second rounder we'll go to Sal with WGR in Buffalo and then Jim with TennesseeTitans.com Hey, Mel, where do you think University of Buffalo Jarrett Patterson falls in with this draft class, and what are his chances uh, you know, to play at the next level, basically? You, you know, at Buffalo, he obviously had some gaping holes to run through, and he did a great job with production. Uh, there were times, though, when I saw him, you know, you know basically find yards that weren't there, and, and show balance, and, and run through some, some traffic and stay on his feet. So, uh, local kid here, you know, in, in this area, so uh, you, you root for him. Malcolm Kuntz, obviously, coming out of Buffalo as an outside linebacker, has got a chance to be a draftable player as well on day three, but I would say when you look at Patterson, I'd say fifth to seventh round. It's a pretty good depth at running back this year, but I think when you get into that, and all these running backs that we give a second round grade will drop to the third. The third rounders will drop to the fourth round because of all the production uh, that the running back, you get out of running backs that don't go in the first round. Uh, we see that, see that every year. Second, third round running backs do a great job, and uh, I think with Patterson now, you, know, you don't see him that early. You see him as more of a, of a number two back, I'd say with a fifth to seventh round grade. Thanks, Mel. We'll go to Jim and then Daniel with PennLive.com. Hey, Mel, I heard you talk through the edge rushers earlier. What's the best case, maybe dream scenario for the Titans at 22 looking for an edge rusher? And if the value is not there, some of those first guys are off the board. Who's another guy who could slide that could help you, whether it's a receiver, defensive line, uh, depending on how things shake out? 
Yeah, I think uh, you know, the wide receiver position you know, could be iffy as well. Kadarius Tony may be gone if he's there. Do you still look at the pass rusher? I think Jalen Phillips could be there. That's who I projected in that mock 2.0, uh, the defensive end from Miami, formerly of UCLA. Uh, Gregory Rousseau could be there. I'm higher on Phillips than I am on Rousseau. Higher on Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay could be there uh, coming out of Michigan. Uh, they could also think about moving down because if you move down, you could look at Joseph Osai in the late first, early second coming out of Texas. So they don't have to lock in at 22. They could maybe think about moving off of that. If they'll say Phillips is gone and, and Pay's gone, you could move off of 22, get into that later first round, early second round, and then look at a guy like Joseph, like I say, Joseph Osai from Texas, who I think could be a really good player. Uh, you know, Chris Rumpf the second, another player I think very underrated. Uh, you know, Carlos Basham, Boogie Basham from, from Wake Forest, inside outside guy, could be a good second round pick. But as, as a pass rusher, which you guys need down there, I think Osai, Tryon, Rumpf, uh, Jason Owe is a kid with great talent out of Penn State, but he didn't have any sacks, and there were games where I could say where he was, he was stymied, he was neutralized. So that's a, that's a boom or bus prospect there. So uh, I think uh, Osai would be the guy to look at maybe late first, early second round if you drop down from 22. We'll go to Daniel and then Nathan with cleveland.com. Hey Mel, uh, Penn State guys have the reputation of testing well uh, at the combine, um, you know, at pro day. Who are some of the later on guys or, you know, maybe fringe guys that can boost their draft stock based on their performance uh, at pro day later this month, kind of like a Troy Apke or someone like that from the past few years? Yeah, exactly. Well, and Clark Castro Fields could, so I think that you look at him as a one that, that could certainly do that. Uh, I've mentioned Jason Oway. You expect him to run in the four threes. He was considered a second or third round guy uh, based on the fact he didn't have a sack this year. He had five and a half last year, and two years ago in 2019. Some of those were against inferior opposition. Most of them were. Um, so he's the kind of guy, if he runs at, with his size and length, uh, he runs in the four threes, somebody may roll the dice on him and say, okay, he's worth a, a, you know, a chance in the late first uh, based on talent doesn't have the production but if we coach him up and we work on some things with him maybe he can develop and evolve into a really good player you would expect Parsons to, to have the numbers necessary to be a mid first round pick Micah Parsons the linebacker but uh, I would think uh, Oway would be the if you're looking at one guy that could really you know get some positive commentary going based on a phenomenal workout you would expect that from Jason Oway we'll go to Nathan next and then Childs Walker with the Baltimore Sun Hey, Mel, there have been some great college quarterbacks at Ohio State over the years, obviously, who just haven't made that transition to any NFL success. Uh, have you seen any common threads there over the years from those guys? And maybe more importantly, are there things that you see in Justin Fields, either skill-wise or intangibles, that make you think he can break that trend? Yeah, I think he's totally different. Uh, you know, he's not a, a pocket passer exclusively. He's a, a dual threat quarterback with four four speed. Uh, you see the way he can run. You see the way he competes. Uh, what he did against Clemson to me was remarkable, considering the amount of pressure he was under in that game. Uh, the way he played in 2019 throughout the entire season. Um, you know, I don't like to excuse away things, but those two games where he was subpar, there were kind of maybe some reasons for that. He just didn't look like the same quarterback. And I think the the interruptions, uh, the practice schedule. 
schedules, the meetings, the not knowing who you're playing, when you're playing, what you're doing. This was a, a you know a, a, just a, certainly not anything close to a normal year. We all know that, and that affected a lot of players differently. But to come back and play the way he did made made uh, made everybody stand up and take notice of what kind of quarterback he can become. So uh, I don't I don't I think Fields is so different in terms of what he was. You know, started out at Georgia, was number one number one quarterback coming out of high school along with Trevor Lawrence. They were kind of one and one a. So uh, he's a unique talent. Uh, he's a like I say, the ultimate dual threat quarterback, and I, I love the way he competes. I think he, he really wants to be great, and I think that's important in the NFL. A lot of guys play because they can. Uh, you know, he plays because he can. He plays because he loves it. So, and he's passionate about it. So, I think Justin Fields will maybe hopefully uh, you know make people forget about any issues maybe came from the quarterback position at that school. We'll go to Childs Walker and then Scott Wright with the Oklahoman. Um, hey, Mel, I, I know you talked last week about how Landon Dickerson might be a good fit for the way the Ravens play. But if they were to if they were to look for offensive line, either in the first round or on day two, who are maybe some of the other guys who, who fit the way that they play? You know, I think they're a kind of team that, you know, with the way they are up front, and I'm looking at centers after that. Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater could be a center guard. Uh, you know, he showed well at the senior bowl practices. Uh, you know, Josh Myers, Ohio State. But Michael Manette from Penn State would be another guy to look at. Drew Dalman from Stanford. I would probably say for them, Miners, you know, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma's got a third-round grade. But Miners in the fourth round, uh, maybe Manette in the fourth round as well. So those day three guys, if they don't, don't get Dickerson in the first First round uh, would be guys I think could fill that void and improve that position. Uh, how, how about if they were to want to add depth at tackle? Are, are there guys there that you think would really fit the way they, they do it? Yeah, I think uh, they, this is a, a tremendous position in this draft in terms of the depth at that spot. And I guess I go, uh, try, you know, just even down to 10 deep with, with guys like Deontay Smith at East Carolina. Uh, you know, Liam, Liam Eikenberg at Notre Dame's got a second-round grade, but I think Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa could be in that third or fourth round mix. I mentioned Drew Himmelman from Illinois State could be a fourth or fifth rounder. So the depth at offensive tackle goes well into day three. That's, a, that's a, turned out to be a, a pretty good position. Some of the guys uh, will project inside the guard, uh, Robert Hainsey at Notre Dame, I'm projecting to guard. Alex Leatherwood, Alabama, projecting inside to guard. Samuel Cosme from Texas, projecting either as a left tackle, right tackle, or guard. Uh, Royce Newman, versatile tackle guard out of Ole Miss, played both positions there in his junior and senior year. So there's a lot of guys that had that ability to be a guard or a tackle. The guys I gave you in that first group were more, mostly tackles. Those last, uh, the last four or five guys were guys could be guard or tackles. Okay, thanks, Mel. Sure, thank we'll, you. We'll go to Scott Wright and then Rich with the Reading Eagle. Yeah, Mel, um, Tevin Jenkins is the guy you mentioned, a uh, guy that you got in, in the first round right now. What, uh, what do you like about him and where does he project best? I think Jenkins is the, is the right tackle that everybody's got to look. The Bears could certainly use. Uh, I think you look down the line, Indianapolis looking more for a left tackle at 21. Uh, but I think we, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers looking more for a left tackle uh, where they're picking at 24. Uh, Kansas City uh, could be a possibility there at 31. Uh, so, you know, Buffalo at 30 could use a right tackle. That's where I had him going in the mock. So there's several teams looking for left tackles, several looking for right tackles. And for those teams, like I say, beginning with Chicago, uh, looking for even Washington at 19, uh, any of those teams that, uh, that could be in the, in the market for a Tevin Jenkins. What stands out about him that makes him a first-rounder? 
I think his, his ability to adjust the secondary moves, uh, you know, and then to maintain his balance, to keep that frame between the defensive end and the quarterback, his consistent performances. He's gonna he's gonna test off the charts in terms of work ethic and and the characterish uh, 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 you know, aspect of this whole thing. He's gonna be up there on a scale of one to ten as a ten. So I think the the fact that uh, that you put it all together, playing at a high level against good teams and good pass rushers at, at times, you go back to the uh, several of the games where the, some of the sacks even came against him were more coverage sacks or sacks where the guys just chased. It wasn't necessarily beating him you know, off the mark, beating him out of his stance. So I think the consistency and the, and the talent uh, adds up to a late first, at worst for Tevin Jenkins early to mid-second round. Thank we'll you. Go, we'll go sure. to Rich next and then Keenan with TV Sports. Hi, Mel. I'd like to ask you about three Penn State players. Uh, Micah Parsons, there's been a lot of different opinion about him. Pat Fryermuth, and you had mentioned Michael Mennett. Can you give me your evaluation on those three, please? Yeah, for Ironmouth coming off the injury, but a guy that certainly in that uh, in the hook zones, I mean, he was very effective. Uh, yeah, you didn't see many drops. I think it was one I saw this year. But a guy that I think is a, it was a second-round pick, at worst a third-round pick. Uh, Manette, like the way he fights inside, uh, you know, he's a guy can handle guys on the nose. Uh, he's a, a guy can be the leader and anchor of your offensive line. I think he's got a chance to be a starting center in this league. So I'd say third or fourth round for him, probably more fourth. Uh, and Parsons with the opt-out, you like what he did 2019. Uh, he can play inside, outside. He, his range against the run is outstanding. Uh, he was able to get some sacks. I have him going in that 12 to 15 area uh, for, for Parsons. So I think uh, you'll get to Shaka Tony. Shaka Tony is a pass rusher opposite Owe. is more productive than Owe. I have a third, fourth round grade on him, Owe. I have more of a second, third round grade, but I think he could be when you mock Owe. I, th- I have him as a possible first. So that's where mock drafts and ratings uh, you know, aren't always the same. So you look at that and it can be a little bit different. Where you, you know, that's why it's always hard to do mock drafts uh, when you look at where they're going to go as to where they're rated. But uh, in terms of Jason Oway from Penn State, I probably have him. I definitely have him mocked higher than, than I have him rated. Thank you. And just a little note, Juan Crastro-Fields, the cornerback, is going back to Penn State, so we'll see how he tests. So he was the guy I mentioned earlier, was a guy, but he is going back to Penn State for 2021. So uh, he will be on the list for next year as a guy that uh, has a chance to move up the draft board a little bit. We'll go to Keenan with TV Sports and then Jason Leisure with the Chicago Sun-Times. All right, Mel, the um, the Lions, they need a – well, perhaps a need to go ahead and start rebuilding and go ahead and get themselves a quarterback, even though they just acquired Jared Goff. Do you think it would be more prudent for them to move down into the draft, um, maybe target a Michael Parsons or a Christian Barmore and um, acquire more draft picks? I do, and that's what I projected at seven, going down to uh, to twelve and taking Micah Parsons. They need, you know, multiple linebackers uh, is obviously one of their key need areas. Wide receiver, a big need area. Defensive line, as you mentioned, corner, O line. So there's a lot of areas to upgrade around the quarterback. Uh, so I think you know acquiring extra picks would be the the best uh, mode of operation. I would believe for the Lions, definitely. All right, thanks, Mel. Sure, sure. We'll go to Jason and then Daniel with the Baltimore Sun. Mel, regarding the Bears in the first round, is it plausible for them to get a franchise quarterback at that spot, or do they need to go a different route to address that problem? 
I don't think any of the five will be there. Uh, that's the problem. If they move up, and I think Todd had had them moving up from 20 or in, in, his, in one of his mocks earlier this year, but uh, that's the only option. If you want to go up and get one, I keep they, they keep holding out hope, it seems like, that they can maybe make a trade for Russell Wilson, but I don't see necessarily that happening, and they didn't make a move to try to get Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, I don't know where they're going to go for a quarterback. Marcus Mariota's name's been circulating out there, but they're, they're a tricky team to try to figure out what that the, the quarterback's going to be. I mean, Kyle Trask, if you want to go to the sixth quarterback in this draft, Kyle Trask at, at 20, or if you say you move off of 20 and you get into the late first, early second, then I think Kyle Trask from Florida would make sense. So it's not just the five quarterbacks. Kyle Trask is in there at the sixth quarterback spot, and he's got a second-round grade. So they could look that as that is an option and say, okay, the five are going to be gone in the top 10 to 12, fine. Well, maybe if they like Kyle Trask, take him, like I say, not at 20. I would move down from 20, but get him either in the late, late portion of round one or get into the early second. Daniel had to step away for a moment. So let's move to Mark with the Banner Herald. And then after Mark, we'll go to Alan Saunders with Pittsburgh Sports Now. Hey, Mel, uh, with, with no combine in Indy, what does that do to the importance of schools' pro days or combine-like events that training facilities may be holding? And uh, as it relates to Georgia prospects, are there a couple that could really move the needle on what they do at the school's pro day next week? And, and how do you view Tyson Campbell versus Eric Stokes? Yeah, Campbell could be the one that has the great workout. Um, he's a talented kid uh, coming out of high school. He had some ups and downs in coverage, locating the ball down the field and all that. But, uh, you know, I think he's a chance. He's a borderline first-round pick. Stokes, I had more of a third-round grade on. So I think Campbell, uh, you know, could go a little higher than Stokes. Stokes, uh, you know, to me, was a little bit behind Campbell. Uh, as a player, you could argue they were very similar. Campbell should test, I think, right outstanding. Though Stokes supposedly ran a really good 40. That's the problem we run into is where are they running, what's the surface. Uh, trying to match 40s and compare and contrast. You never had to do that before. Uh, pro days were always a little bit different, but you always had to combine. And now it's going to be very tricky to try to see if there's reliable 40s where it's a kind of apples-to-apples situation where it probably won't be the case this year, uh, the way it looks. Uh, but I think when you look at, at the secondary, certainly uh, you know, I think both those defensive backs, both those corners are going to go no later than the end of day two. Uh, and I think in Campbell's case, I wouldn't be shocked if he went in the late first or early second. Thanks. We'll go to Alan next, and then Scott with the Chronicle Telegram. Hey, Mel, you have the Steelers going uh, offensive line. It, it seems like they have a lot of options there, though. Is uh, What are the other ways you could see them going, and is trading down a possibility? And then I also wanted to quickly get your thoughts on those uh, five pit defensive players that are uh, expected to be drafted. Sure. I think running back, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers could take a running back if you want to do that. That's the, one of their key need areas as well as left tackle. You talk about an anchor of the offensive line at center. They could look at Landon Dickerson from Alabama. Could look at a left tackle like Walker Little from Stanford. Uh, you know, could look at a left tackle like Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech. Uh, running back, Najee Harris, Alabama. Travis Etienne, Clemson. Javante Williams, North Carolina. That's your top three running backs. Pass rusher as well. Quarterback. Are they going to look at Sam Darnold? What are they going to do? Kyle Trask. Uh, you know, at 24, a little high, but if they moved off at of 24, as I said, the same thing for the Bears. Trask would certainly be in the discussion. Uh, you know, wide receiver at some point as well. So, uh, but I think I think offensive line, be it center, left tackle, or running back, uh, would be would be be maybe possibilities for the first round. And in terms of the pit players, uh, with Weaver and Jones, and and certainly uh, Paris Ford and Hamlin and that group, uh, you know, that's those are all guys that are going to have a chance. Uh, yeah, I think Jones is a guy. People say, well, senior bowl practices weren't that great, but 
but his overall play at Pitt was excellent. I have a, right now a second, late second, early third round grade on Jones. I have a fourth, fifth round grade on Weaver. I have a third, fourth round grade on Ford. Uh, Hamlin has a fifth, sixth round grade. Uh, so those are some of the guys at Pitt that, uh, that up on the defensive side of the ball that I think certainly have a chance to be drafted. And then obviously Morrissey at the center, late round grade on him. Uh, did I miss anybody on your list? Twyman. Oh, Jalen Twyman, defensive tackle. He's got, yeah, I wasn't as sold on him going in. I mean, he, he certainly in 2019 had the sack production, um, you know, made some things happen, was disruptive. Uh, so I thought another year to back that up, like we talked about with Gregory Rousseau, would have been important. That didn't happen. So I would say day three, uh, you know, like I said, he's a, he's a tough one to project. The, the opt-outs are tough to project based on that one great year of production. And just to pause for a moment, we are a little more than a third of the way through this call. Thanks for your patience. If you do have a question for Mel, a reminder to please use the raise hand function on Zoom here. Next question will go to Scott and then Phil Robinson with Post Game Central. Mel, you talked about uh, Newsom. Who are some other corners that you like and could be available in the 20s? In the twenties, I would say you know after Newsom, uh, which would be obviously a really good pick at that particular point. Uh, I think uh, Kelvin Joseph uh, in the twenties uh, would be a guy coming out of Kentucky, formerly of LSU, had a really good year with the four picks, a solid in coverage overall. I mean, he had some lapses, but overall, a guy will tackle well enough. Sean Wade, Ohio State's an enigma. He did not have a good year in coverage playing outside when he was a slot corner. He was excellent in twenty nineteen. Uh, I think you look at uh, you know at him as a guy that I think could be you know second third round. Elijah Molden, if you want a slot corner uh, in the second round. Uh, I think Aaron Robinson, another slot corner out of UCF. I mentioned Tyson Campbell out of Georgia as another one. Asante Samuel George, uh, Jr. out of Florida State. an underrated player, like his tape. So there's, I think there's going to be a host of, of second round. You could see probably easily six, seven corners you know, go in the second or at the worst into the early third after having four probably, I'd say three to four, definitely Farley, Sertan, the second, and Horn in the first, maybe one more, whether it's Joseph or Newsom, and then, like I say, six or seven go in round two. Thanks. Sure. We'll go to Phil next, and then Stefan with the journal. Yes, I had a question about the Cal players, uh, Jake Kerhans and Cameron Bynum, and how did you see those guys drafting out, and where do you do, uh, project them to be? Yeah, Bynum had a, had a decent career. I mean, a nice career, a, a solid career overall. I mean, he, you know, he's a guy. He's, he's feisty. He has, uh, instinctively, you see him. He's turning. He's locating the ball. Uh, he's got it. You know, he's down where I'm having graded right now. I'm just looking at it now. I have a fifth round grade on Bynum. Maybe a little low. Some maybe have a little little higher grade, but I have a fifth round grade on him. Curhan I have as an underrated guy uh, that I thought was going to be a steal for somebody late. I think he's going to move up a little bit. I think I'm hearing his name a little more now. I think he goes maybe fourth, fifth round instead of sixth, seventh round. So he's, he's elevated his grade just a bit. We'll go to Stefan and then Craig Peters with Vikings.com. Hi, Mel. Um, you talked a bit about Benjamin Sain just a little bit earlier. Um, what do you think is going to be the most important thing he has to show during his pro day coming up? 
Well, I think you know, obviously when you talk about you know the 40s and the verticals and all that for corners is all important. But I think you know the, the performance, the tape that you know you have to see what in the in the workout what you saw on tape for all these guys, and you want to see it matched the performance level and and everything you saw equal up. And I think if it does, in his case, he could end up being probably like a third round draft choice possibly. So lengthwise, long arms. You know, if you talk about you know developing coming out of Canada and and the, the gradual progression that you saw, you know, going from Michigan after playing in Canada, goes to Michigan, then he ends up at Minnesota, and he's got two years of experience, two full years where you're breaking up passes. He didn't have a career interception, though. That's always a concern with guys at the cornerback spot, zero career interceptions. But you saw a natural progression. You see the size. You see the length. Now you just want to see the, all the computer numbers add up to, to a guy that deserves to be in that third-round discussion. Uh, yeah, I thought, you know, at times this year, maybe he could be a late-round pick, but I think he's another guy. We talked about guys that elevated during the course of the season. He did. Uh, you know, here's a guy who missed a couple games as well uh, because of COVID, uh, but he still played, I think, five games. Uh, had the nine starts in 2019 at Minnesota. Uh, you know, he's a smart kid. Uh, he got his degree at Minnesota in, in what, two and a half years. So, to me, uh, yeah, I think third, fourth round would be a distinct possibility for him. Thanks a lot. Sure. We'll go to Craig Peters next, and then Ben Gessling with the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Hey Mel, you currently have Slater at 13, Barrett Tucker at 14. What gives Slater the edge? And, and beyond versatility, what aspect sells the Vikings on Barrett Tucker instead of maybe an upgrade for somewhere on the defense? Well, I think in terms of, uh, of Slater, you know, right tackle, left tackle, and could be an inside guy at guard. Uh, to Vera Tucker, left tackle, formerly at guard, I think that's going to be his best spot. So I think he fits the Vikings, who are you know looking for that that offense, that left guard. And I think that that's an option for them if they want a whole filler right away. When you can slip, uh, move out the left tackle and play exceptionally well, like Vera Tucker did, that bodes well. I mean, he was always you know an outstanding guard. So uh, Slater has been a tackle, left tackle, right tackle. I think that's where he'll. They'll figure it with the Chargers, or they could kick him inside. So I think the the fact that uh, you know, both those teams need offensive linemen, obviously pass rusher, defensive backfield, uh, defensive line overall for Minnesota is a need. Uh, I just felt like uh, you know the the up the gut pressure bothers quarterbacks like Cousins as much as anything. Uh, and I thought of getting a guy who's an immediate starter uh, could be a, a Pro Bowl caliber player early in his career. I think Vera Tucker at 14 is not too high based on the, the great performance he came through with at left tackle on the heels of what he already had done at guard. So, uh, you know, he's a guy, just a, a very good football player all the way around. We'll go to Ben next, and then John Shearer with Journey with the Jays. And Mel, we'll make it a uh, Vikings twofer here. If the sure. Vikings do decide to go with the offensive line, how do you feel about the, the depth on the interior defensive line for them to be able to wait on, say, a defensive tackle? And also wanted to ask you about uh, Rashad Bateman and, and just what he has to do at his pro day here to – to boost his stock after kind of a, an uncertain college season. Yeah, he, yeah, he had, like I say, that type of season interrupted back and forth. You're going to play, not play, you play, and then you opt out, and he had some drops. Uh, he didn't, I, I don't think he had the burst, showed the burst and the explosiveness he did in 2019. Uh, I think speed, yeah, was obviously going to be something he's got to answer to that uh, during his pro day. Uh, they're running an outstanding 40. Uh, yeah, would have a good overall workout. And I think 2019 tape will be a lot better. When you look, it's question, there's no question it's a lot better than what we saw this year. And I think, that, like I said, the COVID interruptions really affected a lot of 
players. So if you look at 2019, I thought he could be a mid-first-round pick going into the year. Now you're talking late first, early second round. Uh, in terms of the defensive lineman, the defensive tackle in the second round, I think mean, Christian Barmore from Alabama could be a late one, early two. Davion Nixon would be a solid second or third rounder out of Iowa. Uh, Levi Anzarike from Washington, second round type of guy. Lee McNeil, NC State, more of a third rounder. Uh, and like I said, some of these opt-outs like Jay Tufeli from USC, Tyler Shelvin from LSU. Uh, it's interesting to see where they factor in. But I would say second round, any of those defensive tackles. Because remember when Jaron Reed came out, he was projected as a late one. He went in the second. So it has, uh, you know, Barmore could certainly go in the second. I think Nixon from Iowa will definitely be a two or a three. And as I said, Ansarike from Washington uh, will be a two or a three. We'll go to John next and then Mark with the Buffalo News. Hello, Mel. How are you doing today? Good, good. Uh, where do you see Terrence Marshall falling? I know we talk a, a lot about the big receivers early in the first round, but where do you see Terrence Marshall going? Do you see him going to a team like Baltimore that really needs a big, lengthy guy like that? I did. Yeah, I did. I thought when he was obviously the third option there with Jefferson and with Chase, uh, he was still a guy who was you know, reliable and, and made plays. And then this year, yeah, there's a drop every now and then. Uh, but with his size and uh, the, the way he performed at, at LSU in a highly competitive atmosphere there, whether it was with Burrow, uh, even this year, obviously the quarterback situation after you know, they had the injury there. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're talking about two, two true freshmen having to play. Uh, that obviously impacted everybody offensively for LSU, particularly the wide receiver. So I thought at 27, as you said, needing a bigger receiver to help out with Hollywood, with Prochet and Duvernay, who are all you know smaller-type receivers, um, it would make sense to get a guy like Terrace Marshall. We'll go to Mark next, and then Charlie Potter with 24-7 Sports. Yes, Mel. Uh, just uh, what do you think about how would you evaluate the talent level overall at the tight end position and depth uh, in this year's draft? And who are some players who you think could factor in second, third, fourth round? Yeah, it's a pretty, after Kyle Pitts, there's Pat Fryer, Muth, Penn State. So he's got a second, third round grade. Hunter Long from BC has got a third, fourth round grade. Tommy Tremble, Notre Dame's got a fourth round grade. It could some people could look at him as a third rounder. He's got got to become a better pass receiving tight end, but he's an incredible blocker. Uh, Trey McKitty from Georgia, formerly of Florida State, has a fourth, fifth round grade. Brevin Jordan, Miami, fourth, fifth round grade. Same thing for John Bates from Boise State. Kenny Yaboa, Ole Miss, fifth, sixth round grade. Noah Gray, Duke, fifth, sixth round grade. So there's some depth at tight end. Uh, you know, you can say into that sixth round area. Uh, but if I'm looking, say, three to four, I'd say Hunter Long, B.C., Tommy Tremble, Notre Dame, and Trey McKitty from Georgia. So it's decent, but not a great year at tight end. Yeah, I think the depth is pretty good. Uh, but I think that the elite guys outside of Kyle Pitts, that's the only one. And Pat Fryermuth would be in that mix. And Mike Gasicki came out of Penn State a couple of years ago. Look, he's doing a good job at Miami. Uh, so Fryermuth could be a two, at worst a three. And like I say, Hunter Long really came on at BC this year, had a really strong season. And like I say, Tommy Tremble's kind of interesting. As a blocker, he's like having an extra offensive lineman. But he, he has some drops. He fights the ball on occasion. He's not a natural pass catcher. If he can work on that aspect of his game, you could get a really good fourth-round pick. If he's one-dimensional, lessens his value. But uh, he's got to work on his hands and his, his concentration a little bit. But as a blocker, you're not going to find anybody better in this draft than Tommy Tremble. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We'll go to Charlie next, and then we're going to go back to Daniel with the Baltimore Sun. 
<laughs> yeah, Mel, you uh, mentioned you didn't see Mac Jones dropping past 15 earlier. Just uh, with Alabama's pro day coming up in a couple weeks, do you think he could even boost his stock with a strong showing there? It'll be hard. I mean, he's already way up there. I think now he wants to just maintain. I mean, he's shown enough. I mean, the concern would be, have we moved him up too high? I mean, that's always the thing. How high do you move a player started out the year with a fourth-round grade? You know, third, fourth-round grade at best when the season began because he only had the four starts. So you're waiting to see, well, can he build on the four starts that we saw there? And he did. He had a, we did the same thing with Burrow. Burrow had a sixth, seventh-round grade going into the year. He ends up the number one pick. So you've got to adjust to the way guys are playing and circumstances and what went on there, where this was his first opportunity uh, to, to be the full-time starter, and he took advantage of it. Uh, but the, the 17 starts and the concerns we've talked about are the reason why you got to kind of temper your enthusiasm a bit. But uh, I, I still maintain I don't see him getting past New England at 15. I think he certainly could go in the top 10. So uh, right now you're in a maintaining mode, not an elevating mode. I mean, the Senior Bowl week and the, and the season he had and the way he played in the championship game and all that is enough to say, boy, he boosted his stock probably as far as he could now after what he did senior bowl week just try to make sure you 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 don't fall back you try to just stay where you are and i think right now that's top 10 to 15 all right daniel you are up and then we'll go to anthony with clevelandbrowns.com thank you ali hey mel last week uh you mentioned jake funk as a running back you like as a late round pick what specifically about him uh do you like and are there any teams you think he'd be a good fit with yeah, as a guy like that, uh, yeah, you look late round guys, sixth, seventh round. I, I think he's going to fight his way onto a roster. I mean, he runs. He's a, I saw a com- competitive runner. I mean, he's a battler. I mean, he just puts his nose in there, and he, I mean, he just fights. And he's got, he's, he's quicker. He's quick uh, to the hole. He had, he showed home run hitting ability where he could outrace the uh, you know, cornerback safeties to uh, to the end zone to pay dirt. Um, you know, he'll catch the ball. He'll block. I mean, he's just a you know guy that just gives you everything he has. He, you know. And I don't get any, any, any you know, any say like fourth, fifth round. I don't think that's possible. But when you're talking late rounds uh, or an undrafted priority free agent, uh, I would. Jake Funk's one of those guys I want on my team. He's he's going to do nothing but help your team uh, as a backup running back special teamer. We'll go to Anthony next, and then Angelique with the Detroit News. Hey Mel, I heard you talk about potential cornerback fits for the Browns earlier, but are there any top safeties that would also make sense for them at 26 and be a reasonable pick that late in the first round? Yeah, if, if, if Tra- uh, Trayvon uh, Merrick is there, the safety from TCU, he would be a great pick. Uh, I mean, you could argue, and I, I think an accurate argument would be, he's one of the best defensive players in this draft. Uh, safety, obviously, like running back. Are you going to take a safety high? Probably not. But when you get into 26, if uh, uh, Trayvon Merrick is there from, uh, sa- from uh, the safety from TCU, he would be the only one that I would jump at that high. Uh, the only side. Richie Grant, I like it, US, US, UCF at Central Florida, liked them all year, talked positively about them, uh, you know, on ESPN.com during the season, on radio. Now he's getting second-round talk, which I think is, it, it makes sense. Late first, I think, is a stretch, but it's not, it wouldn't be a shocker if Richie Grant went in the late first, but I have a second-round grade on him, and I, you know, I liked them all year. Uh, people kind of jumped on that bandwagon as the season went along. Uh, so I think that's their second-best safety right now. Is written, and Andre Sisco had the injury from Syracuse, but he plays the ball really well, and I already talked about Javon Holland from Oregon. He would be the fourth guy. So uh, uh, but I think Merrick and then Grant. Merrick, definitely I would take him at 26 if he was there. Grant would certainly be in the discussion, but I'd think more second round. We'll go to Angelique and then Jennifer with the 49ers. 
Mel, thank you. I was just um, wondering what you make of Chris Evans. You know, he's coming off the year of uh, the suspension and not playing much last year. And also, you mentioned Ben Mason last week and, and uh, wanted to get your take on, on those two guys. Thank you. Yeah, Angelica, you know, Ben Mason is, is the, the throwback. I mean, he's the fullback that teams don't necessarily even use anymore. Some do, uh, but he's the best pure fullback. I mean, if you're talking about the Moose Johnston days, Daryl Johnston days, you know, Ben Mason is a guy, not the runner Moose Johnston was. I mean, Moose Johnston was one of the greatest fullbacks of all time. But uh, I think in terms of blocking and doing the things there uh, you to help your football team, help your running back in the, in the right system, yeah, I'd take Ben Mason. Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma, I have in the fullback mode, but he's more of a, of a big back. But, you know, he could, he could maybe still avoid there as well, a role there. But uh, I think if you're looking for the traditional old-school throwback, fullback, it would be certainly Ben Mason. In terms of Evans, Evans showed flashes. Evans, you know, when he was out there, you saw signs that maybe he could be a guy who could help a football team as a 2-3. Not the star lead guy, but maybe a backup third guy, have on your roster. I still think he can do that. I'd say for a round, Angelique, on him, for Chris Evans, I'd be surprised with the, some really good running backs in that fourth, fifth round area. I would say he drops into the late rounds or goes as a priority free agent, but I think he can make a football team. We'll go to Jennifer next, and then Dave Burkett with the Detroit Free Press. Mel, you obviously had Justin Fields slated to go to the Niners. Is there another quarterback option for them that would be, I guess, that would offer the same qualities or enough of a, a change or upgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, I think uh, Trey Lance, if you want to wait a year uh, and, and, and allow him to transition after only having 17 starts at North Dakota State and only one start this past season, I think he would certainly be a guy to look at, or Justin Fields, uh, one of those two. And I thought moving up to get Fields would be the, the best option for the 49ers. Lance, uh, you know, at 12, if he were there, or if you want to move up, you may probably would have to move up to get him as well. So I think those would be the two you know, guys that would give you potentially, if they develop and evolve and are coached up properly. Obviously, uh, you talk about what Josh Allen was able to do in Buffalo, you know, making that natural progression every year and that dramatic jump from year two to year three after making progress from year one to year two. If you're patient and you have the right system situation there going in the right system with a, a tremendous offense for quarterbacks with Kyle Shanahan, I think either one of those quarterbacks would be a nice pick. Whether, But I do think you might have to trade up or probably would have to trade up to get both of them. And then looking at the wide receivers this year, is there a guy that is similar to Debo Samuel, just kind of that aggressive yards after catch guy that you see out there? You know, I think there's a lot of guys that are in that. I think certainly, uh, you know, Kadarius Tony is a guy, you know, that you know gives you a lot of that the ability after the catch to make people miss. Uh, you know, Debo's kind of a unique talent because, as you said, he can just, he'll just take on guys and and uh, and bulldoze you. But I think you look at uh, you know a guy like Amari Rogers from Clemson as a slot receiver, like Rondale Moore from Purdue is a very compact guy uh, who should be able to do that as well moving forward. Uh, Tylen Wallace gives you a lot of uh, of ability as well coming out of Oklahoma State as a second round pick uh so yeah I, but i do think debo was a like i say almost our big uh, you know running back playing wide receiver he was that that versatile guy antonio gibson at memphis came out similar uh aspect uh, going to washington in the third round so those were kind of those those guys that gave you a little bit more of a dimension than most of these guys coming out this year will give you thank you mm-hmm. we'll go to dave next and then patrick ingle with blue and gold illustrated Hey, Mel, appreciate the time for the second straight week. Sure. And uh, yeah, I guess two things. Um, it seems like sure. the top players in this draft are the really, really elite tier. The blue chip guys are all offensive players this year, you know, wide receiver, offensive tackle, quarterback, pits at tight end. Do you agree with that, A? And then B, 
I guess where did all the elite defensive players go if, if that's the case? You know, I think it's a it's a year where if you say the strength would be offensive line, uh, wide receiver. Okay, so I think overall, whether it be interior or tackles, there's some really good depth there, uh, and wide receiver. I think defensively. There's some intriguing pass rushers. Uh, there's some, I think, some real depth in the secondary. I mean, cornerback depth is outstanding. There's some interesting safeties. So I think defensive backs and the, the defensive ends, some combo guys, pass rushers, there's some guys that are going to help you. I mean, I guys I didn't even mention. Uh, Deo Dangbo from, uh, from Vanderbilt was hurt right before the Senior Bowl. He would have been a third-round pick. Somebody's going to take him. Uh, Cam Sample Tulane had a nice year. He's got some versatility. Uh, you know, Jordan Smith, UAB. He's going to be in there as well. So I think there's going to be pass rushers. I mentioned Tryon. Uh, I think Ellerson Smith, Northern Iowa. Chris Rump, the second from Duke's, a little underrated. Uh, so, yeah, there are, uh, I think, a decent number of, of combo guys, of pass rushers. That, and some of these guys uh, you can get maybe fifth, sixth round. So uh, if, they, if there is a, you know, a, a run on maybe some more offensive players with all the wide receivers, we talk about 30, 35 wide receivers that have grades inside the first five rounds. If there is that offensive run, some of these good defensive players are going to be, at, be taken at bargain points in the draft how about the very elite though there's no like chase young do you have any any theories as to why you know there's just not that great defensive player this year this year um you know i think you look at at uh, you know who's out there and then how they developed let's go to the top guy jalen phillips he was a transfer in from ucla gregory rousseau we could have been talking about had he had a year this year and worked on some things anticipating the snap a little bit better you know you know getting off the you know off the ball a little quicker uh you know and then all of a sudden gregory rousseau would have been talked about in that elite group but he didn't play this year and he only had the one year of production so i think i think that would have made him more highly regarded um you know even at defensive tackle Davion Nixon had the one great year at Iowa one really good year had he had two would have been different on Levi Anzarika didn't play at Washington this year after having a good year in 2019 so I think a lot of that you know the interruption of the season or the opt-outs or just guys that only had one year it was just a, a season where we didn't have the you know guys back it up back up the one year with another year like I said Rousseau would have been the guy that really needed a good season but he didn't play great appreciate it sure We'll go to Patrick next, and then Phil Jones with Post Game Central. Hey, Mel, you touched on Liam Eikenberg earlier, and I'm curious what you see in him that kind of makes him seem like a consensus second rounder and what you think the, the ceiling on his draft stock might be. Yeah, I wouldn't be, you know, late first is is a possibility. When you get into the late first, there's always a name or two that you have a second round grade on. It goes in the late first. There's always five, six guys that go in the late first that you thought would be solid twos. And Eichenberg would be one of those guys that could fall into that late one area. You know, he's a left tackle who, he was a natural left tackle. Uh, You know, he was, his grades from game to game, that's what you look at. Do you see a drop off? And you didn't. It was always a consistency with his game where he didn't have the ups and downs. He didn't have, where even an off game. So, uh, you know, yeah, to me, you know, Liam Eikenberg, I think when you look at left tackles, I mentioned some of the guys are going to be right tackles, but he's the pure left tackle. Uh, Dylan Ratens from North Dakota State only played one game. So would you give the edge to Eichenberg who had the season? James Hudson, 
you know, position changed offensive tackle, formerly at Michigan, then to Cincinnati. Do you give the edge Eichenberg over him? Uh, you know, Spencer Brown, Northern Iowa, level of competition issue. You give the edge there to Eichenberg. So you can make a strong case with even Walker Little. Didn't play this year at Stanford and was injured in 2019 with the knee. Only played one game and didn't finish the game against Northwestern. So if you really want to say the highest Eichenberg could be on the board, probably your fourth best offensive tackle. And if he is the fourth tackle taken, that would put him in the late first. If you have him as the sixth, seventh, eighth tackle, then you're talking second round or at worst early third round. So uh, I think the range for Eichenberg is late one to mid to late two. Thanks, Mel. And just a reminder here, we have about a half hour left. So if you do have a question for Mel, I ask that you make sure your full name and your media outlet is visible and please use the raise hand function. We'll go to Phil Jones next and then Donald Hunt with the Tribune. Hey Mel, with the Raiders sitting at 17, uh, they need defensive help, especially interior, D-tackle. Look at Christian Barrymore. Should they look to trade back in the later first round, and then I know you said that they were they should go and get a safety. Should they get a safety in that second round? Someone like Javon Holland, and also the Washington football team. What should they do with their 19th pick? Yeah, I think go to Washington first. I think the offensive tackle Christian Darrisaw, Virginia Tech, or Kadarius Tony, wide receiver Florida. I think you know get another weapon on the offensive side, and also get an offensive tackle. The Raiders, I, you know, I keep saying linebacker. I know I think Todd had projected Jeremiah Wusu Koromo. I have him going to Miami. If he were there, I think you'd take him. Uh, he's a great coverage linebacker down the field, covering like a safety, tackling in the open field as good as any linebacker I've seen. I love Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa to the Raiders if he were there uh, at 17, so I didn't go 18 to Miami. I, I gave him Trevon Merrick, Trayvon Merrick for the safety from TCU. Uh, Todd had him going one pick ahead. So either one of those guys, uh, Merrick or Owusu Koromoa, would be great picks at, at 17. Uh, like I said, 18, Miami could look linebacker as well and take him. But if you're looking Raiders, if they wanted a second round safety and they don't take Merrick, so they took Owusu Koromoa, then you'd be looking at a guy like Richie Grant from UCF. I mean, a guy who uh, can play the center field role. Uh, he, he, he's a guy, this is our last line of defense. He's got tremendous range, uh, great great ball awareness, ball skills, uh, goes, gets the football, um, and he tackles. Except, and for John Gruden, and I know with Mike Mayock, former defensive back at Boston College, that's what they're looking at, the, the tackling ability. Merrick is outstanding. Uh, I don't know about Holland being their kind of guy from Oregon, but I think uh, certainly Richie Grant would be. And I know Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, they've got to get help at linebacker. You know, they draft a defensive lineman and defensive backs, if they could get an Owusu Koromoa at eight, but pick eight, uh, 17, uh, to me, that would be maybe the best option if you go away from the safety. Okay, thank you. Sure. We'll go to Donald Hunt and then Jake with Sideline Sports. Yes, Mel, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on these three players and where they may go, Christian Barmore, Letty Brown, and, uh, and Mark Webb. You know, I'd say I still think first round's a possibility for Barmore. Uh, I have him at 25 to Jacksonville. I could see him dropping into the second round uh, you know, very easily. We saw him mention Jaron Reed when Sean Robinson came out. They dropped into the second. Uh, so it could happen. Uh, he could go early to mid-second. Uh, you know, Mark Webb from Georgia, the safety, yeah, he dropped that one interception. I think it was the Florida game. But overall, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy who's in that third tier of safeties. Uh, you know, I have, him, I have him right now as a sixth-round grade. So I'd say 
say day three, but uh, you know the range of day three could be different from team to team. Uh, depends how he tests too. That's coming up, so we'll see. But I have a sixth round grade on him right now, and and uh, and Brown, I have a late round grade on. So you know, I think you know you're looking at a, 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 a priority free agent uh, as a guy could be a complimentary uh, number two guy. Okay, thanks a lot, Mill. Thank you. We'll go to Jake with Sideline Sports, and then Alex Fleming with the Florida Sun. Hey, Mel. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about you know the Eagles potentially taking another quarterback to compete with Jalen Hurts. You know they have the sixth pick. What do you think of them taking a quarterback? Do you think they should? And if they don't take a quarterback, who do you think is the best option for them at six? You know, I don't think quarterback. I, I think, you you know, unless you love the quarterback, you're going to bring in a quarterback now with Jalen. Uh, and, I, you know, Justin Fields going to be there? I don't know. You know, Todd, I'm going at three. I think seven. That, that would make the discussion, do you love Justin Fields? Um, you know, other than that, you're going to get – you're going to almost probably be guaranteed a wide receiver, be it Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase at six. One of those two are going to be there. Uh, Kyle Pitts is well tight end from Florida. So you get the receiver to help out. Jalen Hurts, then you assess Jalen Hurts after his second year, uh, you know, basically his first year as a full-time starter after, you know, you know taking over for Carson. But uh, I think helping out Hurts might be the best option. It seems like that's the direction they may go. And if they do, it would be one of those wide receivers. And obviously, you talk about need areas with the Eagles. They have, obviously, you think about linebacker in the secondary, uh, you know, but I think a wide receiver like Chase or Smith would give Jalen Hurts, uh, if Rager develops this year and improves his consistency and doesn't drop ball and becomes more consistent catching it and stays healthy. Then you got Jalen Rager, uh, who's almost like a, a bonus type first round pick, because he was a first rounder last year who would disappoint it a little bit. If he improves with Rager coming in with either Devontae or Jamar, then Jalen Hurts has got, and with the injuries they had last year, if they can stay healthy, then the players around Hurts this year would be a lot better than they were last year. We'll go to Alex Fleming and then Mike Kay with New Jersey Advanced Media. How you doing, Mel? Good, good. All right, so Miami, they have the number mm-hmm. three and the number 18 pick, and they desperately need a wide receiver, but they also mm-hmm. need to retool the defense. They let go of Kyle Van Noy, and I don't think Van Ginkle is the answer. What would be the first thing you do after you get the wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins? You know, it's a good question. I, I think at 18, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa would have to be in the discussion with his versatility, as I said. If you get the wide receiver early, uh, could you take a Jalen Phillips? You could as a pass rusher. Uh, you know, you know, but to see, I mean, if you like another, you know, there's so many guys that are in that second-round mix. It depends the difference. If they feel it's close enough between, say, Phillips and Osai to wait until the second round or close enough between Phillips and Rumpf to wait until the second round or try on and hope that he's Slides down, or an Ojolari from Georgia slides down. Do you do you roll the dice there that that can happen? I just think Owusu Koromoa is one of the best ten to twelve players in this draft. And if you get him at eighteen, or the Raiders get him at seventeen, that, that's a, a great pick at that point. So it just depends how their board sets up. But I'm with you on the defense. I, I think you can't forget about that offensive line, wide receiver, but and running back certainly they need help there. But pass rusher and a linebacker are two areas you would want to upgrade a little bit and, and get some help. And it could come through yeah, any one of those players. I just mentioned, and I'm not saying it has to be in the first round. It could also, as as a pass rusher, you get one of those guys in round two. Thank you, Mel. Sure. All right, I'm going to do a last call for questions. If anyone has a question, please use the raise hand feature. Otherwise, I think this might be the last one. Mike K, we'll go to you. 
Hey, Mel, you brought up Jamar Chase for the Eagles earlier, a couple of questions ago. They've struggled at the X receiver position for a really long time, and it seems like that's, that would be the position they would target at wide receiver. Do you think Jamar Chase can be a legitimate X receiver at the next level? Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think you know, to me, you know, Devontae, Jamar, you can you're splitting hairs there. Uh, you know, Devontae was inside, outside. Jamar had that one great year. Uh, he's so physical. Uh, you know, he's a talented kid. Had he played this year, now the quarterback play at LSU probably wouldn't have allowed him to be nearly as productive as he was with Joe. But you know, you're splitting. Like I say, it depends. You know, how much do you factor in the, the opt out in the one year as opposed to what Devontae did? And then there's other receivers. I mean, they're not the only guys. I mean. If you say, okay, the wide receiver position is so deep uh, with, with physical entities and guys that can be slot guys, guys can be outside threats, you get, a, you get a, 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 you know, a vast array of talent at wide receiver. So if you decided to, say, take a quarterback, there's other receivers in this draft can help you. I, you know, so if they didn't get Chase or Smith, you can find guys. It can be some guys played inside and outside, some guys played one or the other. But they're, like I say, that array of talent at wide receiver this year is, I'm talking about 30 to 35 wide receivers in the first five or six six rounds in terms of grade. I mean, they'll go there, but they have the grade to equal that. Uh, I would think if I'm Philadelphia at six, I'm taking Chase or Smith, whoever's there. I'm not even, that'll take about a second to get that card up because one of those two is going to be there more than likely. And whichever one's there, I would be happy to get. All right. We have a couple of follow-ups here. We'll go to Nathan in Cleveland and then back to Phil Jones with Postgame Central. Mel, thanks for taking some extra questions. Uh, what are your impressions of Tommy Togiai and Pete Werner as Ohio State guys who have kind of risen into that second day conversation with the, the seasons they had in 2020? Yeah, they have. And I think when you look at, at where they are right now in terms of, uh, of Togiai, he's, he flashed. And I think that's where, again, you look at where he'll be, you know, in another year, where he would have been with another season, like just of, of production. That would have pushed him up the board a little bit uh, to the point where you're talking about probably no later than the second round. Uh, and I'm thinking fourth round this year. So you're getting a fourth, a third, fourth rounder who had, who could have been as high as a two with another year of production. So that's where it makes any, like I said, after the first, I'm going to defensive tackle board now, after the first, three or four defense, three defensive, I'd say the first three, which would be Barmore, Nixon, and, and Anzarike, that fourth defensive tackle spot could be McNeil at NC State, could be Togiai, could be Wilson at Florida State, you know, you know, to be below two at USC, to Feli USC. Uh, so there's, a, everybody's kind of battling for that spot. If you get to that point and you are on some team's Boards the fourth defensive tackle. You're talking about the third round. So I'd say you know, that's what you know as high as you could go for Tokyo. I'd say third or fourth round. Uh, Pete Werner is a guy really covers well. Uh, you know, he did the job against Friermuth. He covers tight ends overall. Uh, he can be the wheel. He can be an inside. He's got versatility. Uh, he's a leader. He makes plays. He's a really good tackler against running backs in the open field. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy you look at the production overall, and he's not going to be a sack guy. Uh, you know, he's not, that's not his forte. You know, he had one sack this year. Uh, you know, he's the kind of guy uh, in 2018, would he have a couple of one sack and, and, the, and the three sacks overall? He had a couple games where he was getting multiple tackles for loss. Uh, you know, just a guy, eight tackles against Alabama this year. He had almost double digit tackles against Clemson. Uh, he led them in total tackles. He was second in total tackles as a, as a junior. Uh, I think Pete Werner goes, you know, if he runs as well as 
you think he possibly could, which is in that four six or faster at six two and a half two forty he runs say four five five to four six i don't I think with his versatility and coverage and the way he tackles in the open field, I think you're looking at no later in the second round at worst the third round if he didn't run as well, so I'd say two is the best case scenario, second round, and at worst third round. We're going to go to Phil Jones and then to Eric Branch with the San Francisco Chronicle. Hey, Mel. Uh, going back to saying uh, there were going to be a lot of running backs sitting around in the mid to later rounds. Uh, yep. the, Raiders, the Raiders need a running back to complement with Josh Jacobs. I mean, he's been the big bruising back, but you've been noticing later on the season he's been dealing with a little bit of lingering injuries. So what would be a complimentary back that the Raiders could get out of this draft? And overall, where would you rank the offensive linemen in this draft as well? Yeah, I think in terms of the complementary running backs, beyond the guys I've mentioned, uh, I would say it would be guys like Larry Roundtree the third out of Missouri could be that guy uh, as a complementary type player. I already mentioned Jake Funk from Maryland is a guy for them probably more so a three than a two. Uh, Kylan Hill from Mississippi State, Raheem Boyd, Arkansas would be another one. Elijah Mitchell from Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, those are some guys I think would be you know, that complimentary type running back. Uh, maybe even a Josh Johnson, Louisiana Monroe, uh, you know, Gary Brightwell from Arizona. Those would be some late-round options that could fill that void. Okay. And for the offensive line, where would you rank them overall for this draft? You know, I think it's one of the better positions. I, I, the versatility of a lot of these guys, like a Royce Newman, tackle guard at, at the Ole Miss, the centers, uh, the, the guys, that the guards like Wyatt Davis at Ohio State and Trey Smith, Tennessee, Aaron Banks, Notre Dame, uh, Ben Cleveland, Georgia. Uh, then you get into uh, you know the tackle group, which has tremendous depth. Uh, you know, overall, when you're talking about guys that could end up being in the fourth, fifth round, uh, that are I think you know you know guys that can play in this league for a long time. Uh, like I say, Spencer Brown could be in the fourth, fifth round area. A uh, Drew Himmelman from Illinois State, Tommy Doyle, Miami of Ohio, some under the radar guys like that. So you get kind of the, the big school guy, Cole Van Lannan, Wisconsin, tackle guard, Dan Moore Jr., Texas A&M. I mentioned Jake Curhan from Cal. Um, you know, Jackson Carmen, Clemson. Uh, you know, Josh Ball Marshall. There's a Brady Christensen, BYU. There's a lot of fourth to sixth round tackles. Sherman from William Sherman from Colorado is another one. So there's a lot of guys. You know depending on how, how they grade out, because everybody's not going to love all these guys, and the grades are going to be, be, they're, they're be variable from team to team. But there's a lot of offensive tackles. And some of these guys you know, that I mentioned that I think out of that group could be pretty good, you're going to get in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. So I think the depth on the, that's the one underrated part of this draft is the offensive line, both at, like I say, interior position, center guard, and also a tackle, both, both left and right tackle. Thank you, Bill. Sure. We'll go to Eric Branch and then back to John at the Toronto Sun. Hey, now, excuse me. I had a question on two Stanford uh, guys, just your kind of quick assessment and where they might land in the draft. Uh, the quarterback Davis Mills and then center Drew Dahlman. Yeah, I think in terms of Davis, the one thing that you'll you'll like about him, obviously, is the ability to make the throws, all the necessary throws. Uh, he can do that. He's got the size you look for as well, at about 6'3", 225. Highly rated coming out of high school. Like I said, David Shaw had a lot of great things to say about Davis Mills throughout his career. I remember talking to David right after the draft two, three years ago. He, was, he said, boy, he can be really good. And he just didn't have a chance, really. You think about only 11 career starts. He had six starts in 2019. He had with five starts this year. Uh, 
uh, but he did play well. He only had the one game where he was below 67%. That was, I believe, with the Colorado game. And he threw for 327 in that game. Uh, but every other game, uh, the, other, the other four games, he was a 67% or higher. Uh, he did throw the three picks in the UCLA game, but he threw for 428. So, yeah, the 11 starts would bother you as an early rounder. It's not going to bother me when you talk about the third or fourth round. If he gets down that far, uh, he would certainly be worth uh, looking at third, fourth round. Uh, second round might be a little high for me, but third, fourth round would make sense. Drew Dalman I have right now is the anywhere between the fourth and fifth highest rated center because it's Landon Dickerson, Alabama, Creed Humphrey, Oklahoma. And then you get into Josh Myers, Ohio State, Quinn Miners, Wisconsin, Whitewater, Michael Minette, Penn State. So he could be anywhere between, let's like, say, the fourth to sixth center. That would put him in the fifth, sixth round area, like an early to mid-day three guy. We'll go to John next, and then Phil Robinson with Post Game Central. Mel, with accuracy, such a vital make-or-break attribute for quarterbacks. I mean, look at Josh Allen last season compared to his first two, right? Is it arm strength, is it arm strength that keeps Mac Jones from being ranked higher? It's, it's uh, not necessarily arm strength. It's, it's, that's a factor in it. He doesn't have the howitzer, but it's good enough. So I don't, that's not the big factor. I think the big factor is the lack of mobility. And I'm talking, when I say mobility, I'm not talking about, talking about the, you know, being able to you know, move away from the initial defender and manipulate the pocket and pocket awareness. I'm talking about the ability to scramble and make something out of nothing, keep a play alive. And, and if, if, if everybody's covered, you know, frustrate the defense by running for 10 yards, running for 15 yards. Yards, picking up some of that. Now, he can do it once in a while, but Joe Burrow can beat you with his legs, and he beat a lot of defenses in college with his legs, and he did it in the NFL this year. Mack is a little limited in that area. He's not going to be able to outrace any of these, these linebackers' defensive linemen to pick up some of those first downs. And, and yeah, that's the, the thing. And, and Tom Brady didn't either. That's why Tom Brady was a late sixth-round pick. It was the same – and I could say I'm not saying anything about Mac Jones being Tom Brady, but Tom Brady was a late sixth-round pick, and you say, how could that happen? You look, look at the accuracy. Look at the lead leadership, the competitiveness, the, the, the pocket awareness, the, you know, the incredible, I'd say, accuracy of Tom Brady. Well, you know, he ran a 5-2-4-40 and had a 24 vertical. So, again, you know, he did it against big, big, uh, big opponents, big-time opponents. He did it consistently against top echelon teams. He had a great senior year, and he ends up being a, f- a late sixth-round pick. And uh, that's why we're talking about Mac in the top 10 to 15, which is pretty amazing. Certainly, Tom Brady really helped Mac Jones. There's no question about that because any comparisons are the reason why you're up there. But the accuracy at 77, over 77% this year is the reason why he goes from a late-round pick like you know, we were talking about back when the season began, to maybe a top ten to fifteen pick, a probable top ten to fifteen pick. So, but the only criticism right now, and the only reason why you know people are maybe not pushing him up there as the second best quarterback in this draft, is because of, like I say, the lack of speed and the lack of top athleticism. That's it. But that doesn't mean he can't be a heck of a quarterback. But that's and also the seventeen starts is the other thing. Only seventeen career starts is a dangerous number. You want it to be around twenty three to twenty five. He's at seventeen. So it's that. Plus 17 starts plus the, the lack of great, you know, dual threat ability. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So, Phil, it looks like your hand went down, but if you have a question, the floor is yours. Otherwise, we'll go to Jake with Sideline Sports to finish up the call. All right. Thank you. And thanks again, Mel. So do you oh, see Azim Uluwari as a scheme fit for Gus Bradley's defense? And the second part would be, do you see the Raiders picking up a wide receiver in the mid to late rounds? And if so, whom? 
Yeah, I do. And I think, uh, you know, you look at the depth, take advantage of that in this draft for the Raiders, I think would be a you know, good move. And, uh, and obviously, you talk about other needs. I understand the defense has to be addressed. And even though they've, they've addressed it a lot, they, they've got to stay healthy, number one, on that side of the ball. Keep all their guys out there. Jonathan Abrams got to be out there every week. You know, have Mullen out there, Arnett out there together with Furrow, with Crosby, with that group, and add a linebacker like Owusu Koromo or safety like Trevon Merrick to put next to Abram and protect you against another injury with, with Abram and, uh, and get another pass rusher. But uh, certainly wide receiver depth, I think you would definitely, you know, certainly look at that position to take advantage of it. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of guys that you can pick up. And as I've even talked, Watt Fillier at Indiana, nice player. You know, Jacob Harris at UCF, nice player. Frank Darby, Arizona State, Diami Brown, North Carolina. Uh, you know, these are all guys. Tim, I really like Tim Jones at Southern Miss as a late-round pick. Um, you know, I've talked to Kate Johnson, South Dakota State, as a later-round pick. Um, there's a, there, you definitely have to take advantage of that in this draft. If you're, if you're the Raiders, there's no question about it. And as far as Aziz Ojolari, um, I'd like to see him get a little bigger. And I think he will add some weight. You know, he's about 235 in that area, get up to 245. Uh, another year would have really helped him at Georgia. Uh, but coming off the edge, he's certainly got up the ability. I, I look at him more right now as a 3-4 outside linebacker, though. All right, and then we'll go back to Jake with Sideline Sports. Hey, Mel, I appreciate you taking another call or another question. Sure. Mm-hmm. So another NFC East-related uh, question. The other sure. team in the NFC East that seems to be looking at quarterbacks or at least considering changing uh, are the Eagles' rivals, the New York Giants. There's been rumors that maybe Daniel Jones isn't the guy, and a lot of fans for sure are fed up with him. But there have been reports that maybe the Giants look at a quarterback. First of all, what do you just think about those rumors? And second of all, you know, assuming the Giants don't take a quarterback because it doesn't seem truly likely, who do you think is the best pick for them? Yeah, that's all coming from other sources other than the team. Uh, Joe Judge is, a, is sold on Daniel Jones for now. I mean, I say for now, it's all you can be on. You're, we are or where we are. I, I like Daniel Jones. I don't know why anybody would be fed up with Daniel Jones. I, I mean, he was playing really well until he got hurt. Uh, he had games where he could have won those games had he got help from his receivers, not dropping balls, okay, like Evan Ingram with the drop against Philadelphia and a couple other key drops this year. So, and keeping guys healthy and on the field, he never had that group of wide receivers and tight end together for games after the early part of the season. He didn't have Saquon Barkley, the offensive line. You know how much they struggled. I mean, Daniel, you can only do so much as a quarterback. you got to get some help. And when he got help, he was pretty good. And uh, he's still young. He's still, he, he really worked on being better with ball security, and he was. He gives you a running dimension, uh, that dual threat ability. Um, he's smart. He's competitive. He wants to be good. Uh, wants to be great. Uh, I don't know. I mean, everybody wants to see immediate pro ball and immediate stars, and it takes time. I mean, people, I was hearing, hey, but there were a lot of fans, not Buffalo Bills fans, but a lot of people talking about Josh Allen as being nothing special after his first year and even after his second year. Uh, and I didn't agree with that, but that was their opinion. So, you know, until they're great, everybody's going to be questioning, I guess, what they can be. But, um, Daniel Jones, to me right now, is the least of their concerns. I mean, they're, they're, Joe Judge seems like he's sold on Daniel Jones. So uh, if you look at where they're going to go, uh, you know, obviously, you know, with that first pick, uh, to me, you have to go wide receiver. Uh, and if Jalen Waddle is there, he would make sense. Pass rusher, you'd be moving down to get a pass rusher, not taking one there. Uh, cornerback could go that route as well. But I think wide receiver – you know, would be with the way it would fall. If Jalen Waddle's there, I think you, I'd just mark him down. I don't know how – I really don't see how they could pass on Waddle at pick 11. 
All right. A sincere thank you to all media members for joining us today. We will have more calls in the weeks and months ahead. Have a great rest of your day and take care.